1: I mean, I just had the strangest experience. I just went to go drop off this, like, receipt and credit card for this guy after this job. And, like, his daughter was maybe, like, three, four years old, was like, hi, and, like, wanted to, like, give me a hug. And, like, I'd never met her before. She was just, like, a friendly little girl. And, like, she could just sense, like, and I was like, oh, no. You know, like, and, like, you know, she just kind of, like, got really confused and just started crying. Like, it was just, like... She probably is like, what's going on? Like, you know, it's weird. You know, she probably knows that mm. she's staying home and people are having weird conversations. And like, yeah.
2: Do you get that on tape that the Sean made a child cry? <laughs> 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 the mouth of babes I hate you! <laughs> out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim and Dwight Creed, call Andy and Kelly. If your business paper needs Or done the myth, then the people purchase paper, people done the myth. Then the people purchase paper, people done the myth. Then the
0: people.
1: Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host, Wonderkind Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin Janes, CFO. And with us as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward.
0: 45 days to get us back <laughs> on track. <laughs> <laughs> 45 points. It's a 45 day, 45 point, one point per day. We get to 45 points. We're back in business. <laughs> and you
1: can take to the bank and limo lady we're going completely carbon neutral hate the twirl (laughs) every week we get together and talk about our favorite show nbc's the office this week dunder mifflin corporate but first cry man squaw fnc double time
2: Yes, so this week we're going to start off with a topic that is pretty pressing in everyone's lives, which is the coronavirus, of course. Um, and just the what, the now? way, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, that? Just the way that it's been affecting everyone's lives, and I think, and how it's kind of trickled into the office, and how we've seen reactions from fans and things like that. So I mm-hmm. guess, if we let's just
0: start with us. Like, how's it affecting your life and work? Yeah. Well, we've been holed up for weeks in my house since our <laughs> last recording. Uh, <laughs> braving the Arctic winter. No, um, I... Uh, I mean, I work from home, so it's a lot of people are doing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly still a struggle in a lot of ways. It feels weird to go out in public. I have uh, my partner is a nurse in the ER, and so mm-hmm. I feel I feel con- I feel conflicted exposing myself to a lot of people. Yeah. So, gentlemen, yeah. thanks for coming over to my yeah. house. Yeah, yeah Sean, the, what
1: are we doing here? <laughs> we're da- down here in the bunker underneath the ward, brothers. Uh-huh. Not a lot house of airflow. We're yeah, talking ooh, into it's mics. It's little stale. I yeah. use those mics. It's You're that using? taco air. Mm. <laughs> <It> settles at <laughs> yeah, the lowest right. point. It settles at the lowest point. It
0: was a great basement. It was. <laughs> but, uh, so I, all that is to say, my life hasn't changed a ton because I uh-huh. work from home. But but what about you guys? Because that's not the case for you. Yeah, I've
2: been working home uh, since, what, this past Thursday we're recording on a Sunday. Uh, and it's been different working from home. You know, we have days where we work from home Um Throughout the year, but this is especially different because we've we've really been forced to do video meetings, long phone calls, things like that instead. Mm. Uh, it is uh, right now we're closed through Wednesday, or the office is closed until Wednesday. I fully expect them to make an announcement yeah. closing for the next couple of weeks. I think they're just trying to figure all of it out. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's really really different. And then in terms of your day to day life, like being at home a lot more, um, kind of wondering. You know, you kind of have to weigh going to the store and getting things that you need versus the, you know, flattening the curve, so mm-hmm. to speak, and, sure. and all that kind of stuff. It's just a very, very, mm-hmm. what a time. It's a very unique time. You watch time. Netflix. You watch Hulu, HBO. Yes. What
0: oh, shows, yeah. what I got shows a lot are you going to commit to? I got
1: a lot of stuff queued up. Obviously, The mm-hmm. Office um, will, I'll be watching several episodes. You're finally going to
0: watch season nine, huh?
1: <laughs> 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 I'm going to sit there and, and <laughs> bear it. Let season nine yeah. wash over you yeah. like Oof. a cold bath. But, uh, but yeah, we, I just started working on a, on a new show, and we were one week in, and, and uh, Deadline Hollywood posted articles saying, um, you know, shows are halting production. We're sitting there in the office just saying hmm, <laughs> I wonder why we're still here. And then we got sent home. So. It sounds like the
2: uh, the episode Murder when they're reading stuff online from the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. I was telling <laughs> it these guys... exactly like that. Before we started that, I was picking up lunch yesterday and on the radio in the restaurant, it was... And, that, and this has been your daily coronavirus update. You know? And it felt weirdly <laughs> yeah. dystopian to hear just on the background of the radio this daily update about a virus that's infecting the world. Like yeah. It, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> like I I've I've played all the Fallout video games and mm-hmm. that's like you turn on the radio station and Fallout, yeah, there's announcements of just like the go the normal goings on in a post apocalyptic world. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, feelings of that for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange, strange
1: time, but I think we can all agree, a great time to binge watch television. Yes, ever there were one, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we want you all at home to know that we will remain, <laughs> we will, this podcast will remain in business uh, mm-hmm. uh, through
0: throughout the pandemic. It will. And I think overall, like, I'm sure viewership of The Office will be up during this time, but I wonder if normal viewers of The Office try something else now that... Because part of part of I think why the office is such a comfortable blanket is like you come home from work and you just don't want to make decisions anymore. And you're like, what do I watch? And the office is there and you're like, let's go back, baby. I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, So I wonder if, you know, office listeners, will you try? Will you branch out? Will you will you try Parks and Rec if you haven't watched it? Mm -hmm. Arrested Development, some other comedies I've heard uh, uh, on a basketball podcast listen to. It was recommended. Watch The Simpsons from like ninety one to ninety five. Or no, 90, somewhere in that area. I love The Simpsons. <laughs> I, would, I love The yeah, Simpsons like, so much.
2: I'd recommend, well, this is another one. of It's similar to The Office where I like even some of the later stuff that a lot of yeah. people don't love as much. I think uh, The Simpsons is best from seasons like one to eight, maybe yeah. one to nine. When yeah. was season yeah. one? I don't one, know off one. the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway. But anyway, um, the other reason that I wanted to kind of bring this up or we wanted to discuss this uh, is because we've noticed. nineteen ninety. 1990, uh, a fine year for television. We've noticed people turning to The Office as sort of a tension release or a comfort in these times. I don't Definitely. know if you guys have seen it. Have you guys seen some of these fake cold opens totally. or there's these a- responses online? Yeah, what have you seen? I was
1: just going to say there's this one from uh, Daniel Burnell on Twitter. It's just like a plot for, uh, for an episode. The Office, coronavirus. Michael ignores the work from home memo because he thinks that everyone should be together at a time like this. Dwight acts completely normal and claims genetic immunity. Angela wears a hazmat suit. Kevin says that he's had it for weeks and feels fine. <laughs> that's right. pretty accurate. Yeah, that would be... A, 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 and I can maybe see Creed
0: it. is patient zero? Creed is somehow Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, oh, really? he, he goes I, on, yeah. Stanley,
1: Stanley is on a beach uh, On a beach with a margarita as a video conference begins. Uh, Andy looked at WebMD and is now losing his mind. The episode ends with Michael shopping alone at Costco on a Saturday. He's excited because he usually can't even get in the door. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I read, like, a long fake cold open where um – I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't give credit, but it's yeah. somebody who – like, the opening is Michael walking in with a bag full of hand sanitizer, just throwing it at everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and Toby comes in from the annex, and he says, you are the coronavirus personified, you know, yeah. things like that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that we just continue to see yep. – um Michael proceeds to demonstrate how to properly wash hands, uh, doing it fast, forgetting about the soap, and finally drying his hands by brushing on his pants. after <laughs> right. complaints, he says it all doesn't nope, really do matter because he's nope. young and needs flintstone vitamins every fifteen minutes.
0: I also saw uh, Ryan contracts coronavirus and self quarantines. Kelly doesn't have it, but Shet says she does, so she can get quarantined with Ryan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: A lot of talk about oh, Dwight's so de- hand desanitizing stations. Yeah, yeah. Dwight in the hazmat of suit, germs. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All sorts of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's super interesting that people are turning to the office or thinking about how the office would reflect, you know, what's going on culturally in a certainly. time like this.
1: Yeah, certainly. It, it's a shame that we can get we can't have a <laughs> an
0: episode about that. a special. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I the, you know, there's some uh, there's some tropes in TV shows where they'll kind of different sandbox episodes that different shows will do. For, I, I'm thinking of that. I, I want every show should do a episode of The Purge where like that show experiences the world of The Purge <laughs> within the world of that show. So I'm like <laughs> what would The Office, stuck in The Office, while that's going on, what would it be like? Yeah, yeah. You could also do a quarantine. Well, I can only imagine. Like Dwight. It's Always Sunny has done a quarantine episode when they're on mm-hmm. the ship. Sure. Um, a few others. So it's like, a, yeah, every show should do a quarantine. They should do The Apocalypse. It's, it's kind of like great. a bottle
2: episode, but it's more heightened. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of in in um, stress relief when Kevin breaks open the vending machine and starts taking off the stuff. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Michael throws the projector through the window. Help, <laughs> help! Um you know, this is a good time to have the office. Yes. You know?
1: It's definitely <laughs> a good time for it's streaming, always there. streaming television.
0: It's always there for you anyways, but now it's, it's extra it's extra yeah. good. Important. Yeah. <laughs> that's right.
1: Well, um, well, yes. Let's. Uh, le- we should move on to today's uh, subject. I'm super excited to talk about Dunder Mifflin Corporate. So we're just gonna discuss uh, the the corporate uh, the corporate brass. Um, mm. You know, until until Saber comes and takes
0: over. Yeah, we had Thank a good you.
2: question from this uh, or about this topic. I think from an email. Yeah, we got an
0: email. Yeah. Uh, we got an email from uh, Elizabeth here. She says, hey, really loving the podcast, all the different topics you guys cover. Keep up the great work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a suggestion for the show to discuss Dunder Mifflin corporate. I was rewatching Shareholder Meeting, season six, episode 11, and thought it was an interesting episode to see more of the corporate leaders besides David Wallace and their interactions with Michael and each other. It's a good opportunity to talk about Wallace also, as he probably doesn't deserve a whole episode. Mm -hmm. Way Mm -hmm. to read that. That's true, Elizabeth. Um, (laughs) I know you already did a Sabre episode, so I thought this would be a good idea to also look at Dunder Mifflin. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, what a great
2: topic. Yeah, I think, too, people have suggested a David Wallace episode to to us, and I think at some point maybe it might be worth diving into his character a little more in depth, Mm, but I think the corporate structure as a topic uh, lends itself to covering David Wallace, also covering characters like Jan and Ryan, um, and just kind of how the corporate structure sort of influences the show. Definitely. We think of Dunder Mifflin as a single branch in Scranton, but in reality, there is a larger... I mean, it's not a parent company, it is the company, but uh, how their directives and initiatives uh, and supervi- supervision, I guess, really influences the show, especially early on when you have things like downsizing as a potential option for mm-hmm. the show. Um, and I think we're going to start with season one, and we'll go all the way up until Saber comes in, Definitely. because that's when corporate uh, as an entity is the most relevant to the show. Yeah, uh, yes. Screw corporate,
1: right? Corporate is portrayed <laughs> mostly by Michael as kind of this like faceless, soulless overlord that doesn't understand... That Dunder Mifflin Scranton is a family and they have their own way of doing things, and, and it's kind of Bunch this, of corporate wet blankets, right? Right, and even though we meet people from corporate, corporate itself is sort of this character, this villain in the background of the show. Um, that Michael is always fighting against, even though he is a, a part of corporate, right? He upper is management. a company man, <laughs> yeah, he is That's a company real. man. I mean, yeah. no yeah. doubt, and yeah. there's
0: a few times that we see corporate interacting directly with people who work in the branches, you yeah. know, company picnic obviously is the biggest one. You mentioned if corporate is a villain sometimes, I mean, that's most personified in the volleyball game when they're like, right. we have to beat them. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. It Definitely. also happens in shareholder meeting. Of course, mm-hmm. that's where we very closely get a crowd of people, you know, yelling and taunting corporate and wanting answers from them. Um, and so it, it doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's to me, it's at least it's always kind of a reframing of like, oh right like this is a functioning company that is mm-hmm. making business decisions and happened mm-hmm. in a time when like paper was a weird like really if the future of paper does not seem good yeah, to have yeah. a large corporate business around right. paper
2: if only they could look forward to 2020 when they could have made a killing selling toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> guys we're gonna shift to toilet reply paper. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cut to cut to Nate
0: on the little thing just going wild
1: oh my gosh um, yeah I I mean I think that the corporate's a really interesting subject to discuss I think also because like I kind of want to talk about that line too where it's like we get to know Jan and we get to know David Wallace and Michael does sympathize with them and everyone's kind of like likes those characters and some at some point one way or another but corporate remains, You know, the 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 kind of faceless villain. And I think and also too what's like what I was thinking about on the way here is just how like I think everybody can relate to that. Yeah. Like, you know, on our shows it's, you know, the network or the studio or some executive producer who's never around. It's it's that person it's that it's that boss or that manager that you that you it's never man, see as man. that authority figure that that is the brand yeah. for me yeah. <laughs> yeah the brand yeah <laughs> right <laughs> the client you know mm-hmm. for a lot of people so you know um but uh but yeah i think that yeah it's it's it is often the villain, even when David Wallace or even when Jan might not be portrayed that way. The corporate is a villain.
2: So that, that is one thing that I think is interesting. I do think that the show gives a face to corporate through the figures that are Michael's bosses. Um, Jan, Ryan, I guess Charles, and then David Wallace especially. Oh, yeah, Charles Minor, And I think one thing that the show does that is pretty interesting is that David Wallace is always portrayed as a nice guy. Very nice. He's guy. very friendly to Michael. The, the, the office staff seems to really like him whenever he comes through. But at the same time, His actions, or the actions that are, you know, taken by the brand, or excuse me, by the board, uh, doesn't necessarily seem to have uh, all of their interest at heart. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think uh, as you think about the seasons of the show, I think season two, corporate is most uh, represented by Jan, and then when Michael goes to New York in the Valentine's Day episode. Mm -hmm. In season three, just off the top of my head, I think at the end when the job is kind of happening and different characters are kind of vying for that corporate position season four so much of it is ryan and the initiatives that he's trying to push yep, yep. the yeah. deposition right things like that where um of where all of Jan, a sudden jans against corporate exactly and then season five so much happens uh, to kind of spark the michael scott paper company arc and then in season six we have jim as co-manager i think sparks a lot of involvement with corporate that's right and then the shareholder meeting of course
0: but yep yeah. yep yep that was a nice rundown off the top of Very it. Very nice wow. rundown. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just wanted listeners.
1: Edwin didn't look at the screen. He Not, has no paper in front of him. He was keeping eye contact with both of us that whole time.
0: Limitless paper in a paperless world. <laughs> no note cards. That's why <laughs> he makes a six-figure salary for this show. right? He's our slugger. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it, it's funny because corporate is like, it's easy to just be like, oh, they're evil. Like They're the villain of the yeah. show. But really, it's, it's Michael's interpretation is what he wants everyone else to feel like. Right. And the entire, the only reason that this show exists is because David Walls doesn't fire Michael for some reason, despite having dozens of occasions to do so, yeah. and it would be fair. Uh, But how many times does Mike, does David just kind of sigh and yeah, let Michael and let it be go. like, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> that, that, I am That's the gone. golden ticket. Right? That's his, like, yeah, to yeah. me, like, that's what, that moment represents <laughs> David. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I'm gone. And he just leaves. <laughs> I'm gone. And doesn't want to deal with it. But obviously... Pam, don't send me those yeah, notes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking <laughs> of, <yeah. laughs> Obviously, you know, Scranton performs well enough that, that David is like, yeah, Michael's a handful, but it works. And I don't... It's a hassle to fire and hire. So let's just... Right. Keep him going. Well, I mean, we're jumping around here, but that, I mean,
1: uh, that directly makes me think about that time when David Wallace invites Michael up to New York to just sit and talk about what is going right. Oh, yeah. Um, Ah, And Michael thinks he's in trouble. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah.
2: Let's say we (laughs) order in some pasta.
0: What say we do. do. Uh, uh,
1: (laughs) Oh, go ahead. Finish up. Go ahead. Finish
0: up. (laughs) He sits back down.
2: There's another there's another instance where Michael and Michael is showing off a picture of himself and David Wallace. He says, It was really good of him we to take a picture considering I was up there for disciplinary reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> David, oh if we God. hire the Cirque du Soleil if we hire Cirque du Soleil, will it help with the UN tax stuff? Long pause. Uh, yeah. No, no,
1: Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, David David uh, Wallace does a lot of good work over the phone. Uh, As he often is uh, throughout the show, Mm -hmm. we hear him through the phone. Always, uh, there's something about Michael talking on the phone. It's always funny because he's always on speaker and he doesn't really have anywhere to look at. (laughs) You know, so he's always kind of just Steve Carell. Just kind of gets to improvise a lot of stuff when he's on the phone. And it and David Mm -hmm. Wallace is the best straight man for Michael Scott. It's such a good pairing um, yeah. of of a of a corporate team there. I think I will have a fillet with mushroom sauce. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Michael? Yeah, shout out Michael. to Andy Buckley, the actor who plays David Andy Buckley. Yeah. Yes. He's yes, really good. Absolutely yeah. 100%. Got to be nice to Toby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of all the people who manage Michael, David has like the best handle on it. He's and he's always it's always kind of interesting that like for everything David has witnessed Michael do like He's he remains throughout the whole show, kind of like treats Michael as a person, like genuinely listens to him. Like even after he leaves Dunder Mifflin, um, he like invites Michael into his home and tells him all about Suck It. But
0: well, You wonder if David Wall is David Wallace the only contact like besides what uh, Jan is he the only other person because at shareholder meeting I know we're jumping all over the place it, here but fine. at shareholder meeting when when they're basically like who who is this buffoon who is this moron mm-hmm. right like they don't even know is who Is there Michael. an off button yeah is there an off button on this moron yeah and it's like the higher ups they don't even know who Michael is so you got to wonder does, is David just kind of protecting them even in that moment
1: too though like david is still listening to michael and 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 agreeing with him for, for no good reason really like everyone else is just looking at michael like slack-jawed like what is up with this dude michael is talking about how he had people on their feet and uh applauding and david's like yes yes like he treats him with so much. Re- he actually treats him with so much respect. Dude, he shares a nice bottle of yeah. scotch. With <laughs> yes, too. that's true. Have cocktails. <laughs> you know,
2: I think it's important though, while you're, you know, you're talking about these moments where Michael does see, or excuse me, where David does see value in Michael and keeps him you know, on staff and mm-hmm. praises him or encourages him. Right. Uh, acknowledging that Michael's, performance uh on one hand as a salesman and i guess in another respect as a manager is something to be valued there are a, lum- a number of moments where david does not show that as well right i'm thinking of in the deposition where they read david's testimony yes where he you know what do you want me to say he's a nice guy right was hey, he being seriously I think you're against- a nice guy too David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right yeah so there's that moment where david really knows that you know what he his opinion of michael is really being put out there And Michael doesn't turn on the company in that moment, Mm -hmm. right? But then you compare that to later on where um, in the business trip trip episode where Michael is so upset at David on the phone, you know, the trip, (laughs) blue chunks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Michael says to David flat out, why did you send her away? Because David does send Holly back to Nashville when he realizes that they're dating. He yeah. sees that sort of conflict of interest that might he be there. He sees
1: them kissing or hugging in the warehouse and he's like, no,
2: I did not know they were dating. And then later on, the events that lead to the Michael Scott Paper Company arc include the fact that Michael, number one, can't reach David no matter how hard he tries. Right. That, Michael, that David brings in another sort of supervisor to kind of manage him. One mm-hmm. that is that Michael kind of chafes at and doesn't mm-hmm. get along with. One that's going to put a more strict uh, sort of Rain on Michael, Mm -hmm. and then um, when David does come around, he says, I'll be there for your party, you know, we'll make it a big celebration. And that doesn't solve what Michael is actually upset about, right? right? And that's why Michael leans in to shake his hand and says, I quit, right? Right, Mm -hmm. right. So, there are a number of moments like that where uh, David doesn't show um, that sort of empathy or that understanding of Michael. Even it, it just goes to show that David Wallace is perhaps more complex. Then, uh, then maybe we gave him credit for it. Uh, again. Yeah. Andy Buckley,
0: I
1: think, is definitely really to, to blame for that. And 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 they wrote him very well that character. But, yeah, I um, agree.
0: It kind of reminds me. There's a quote from uh, Thirty Rock um, when Alec Baldwin's character tells tells Liz Lemon like, "Lemon, your show, uh, your show accounts for like three percent of our budget and takes up ninety percent of my time." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's about what. How David sees Michael like like he must have to deal with Michael all the time. We know Michael calls him all the time with various states of emergency in the message <laughs> to get his attention. Uh, I, yeah, I realize if I don't say it's an urgent. Uh, uh, I yeah, the exact quote, but people, people don't, don't Michael, yeah. you texted me nine one one emergency. <laughs> yeah, that uh, you get the feeling that that. David has a lot of other stuff to be doing. Yes. And whenever he talks to Michael, whenever he interacts with Michael, it's just like, oh, I got to just get him to stop talking so I can go back to the more important (laughs) stuff, which might be the reason Michael's had a job this entire time, you know, because like, I just don't want to deal with Michael. Yeah. And just his branch, like David's just looking at numbers. It's like, it's working, whatever. I don't care. Uh, But it, it does lead to so much of the comment in the office is Michael just trying to make The office a home and a family for everyone which is not what corporate wants right they're like no that's the whole reason why he doesn't want holly and michael it's a valid reason Mm -hmm. for sending holly away of like you can't have the boss and the hr you can't have them in a relationship it all makes sense and but it's such a violent blow to michael in that moment because he's just like i'm not i don't get treated that way by you guys like i've been here for so long i'm so loyal and now I, one thing in my life I really love, and you take it away. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. harsh. It's super harsh. But not to David. For him, it's like, this is what, a corp- this is yeah. what a corporate life is. Yeah. And I, that's why I don't know if the rest of the office even sees corporate as a villain as much as Michael. They're sort of like, yeah, that's corporate. It's, we work at a corporation. That's the way it is. I, but for Michael, oh, yeah, he doesn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. There are times
2: when The Office does seem to be really upset at corporate. I'm thinking specifically of a night out in season four when um, Michael and Dwight go up to New York to party with Ryan. Yeah. And Jim and the rest of them stay late, right? Yep. And they do this because corporate wants them to come in on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, so there is kind of an element of corporate. part of Ryan's
1: thing that they gets, are going to reimpose sales or yeah. something like that. That's right. And by <laughs> the end which of... Which they should have done the first
2: time if the <laughs> if the website had been working properly or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, and by the end of season five, I think there's a moment where David Wallace is talking to the rest of the um, office and Phyllis says, well, maybe it might have been different if you had just taken Michael's call. Mm-hmm. And by the end of season five, in Company Picnic, when Dunder Mifflin is literally pitted against corporate in a volleyball game, mm-hmm. it feels like yeah, screw corporate. Corporate deserves to get their ass kicked. Yeah. That I think that's a line one of the characters says. It's, I think it's Oscar says it. Yeah. I hope so. There is there is a <laughs> there is a, a lot of that uh, frustration that gets kind of built up over the course, of especially season five, and gets kind of taken mm-hmm. out by Pam serving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and true. Jim spiking. Yeah.
0: I mean that's the whole the whole season five arc of of the Michael Scott. Paper company. I can't say it Michael Scott paper company. <laughs> yeah, anymore. yeah, it's hard now. Uh, which was our first episode. We talked a lot about this. Yeah, but I mean, that whole arc is this exercise in Michael kicking back against corporate, seeing what he can do on his own, yeah. and then eventually needing to go back to corporate because a, it does supply him with the life he likes. Right. Yeah. I mean, he still beats them. I mean, it it makes you think of it
1: makes you realize Again, that terrible maybe David deal is <laughs> you know people were probably advising David to fire. Michael for a long time in fact Jan does and we'll get to in Jan. the performance review yeah so. so you know it makes you realize you know once he does start pushing like kind of distancing himself from Michael it does turn into a bigger problem so maybe David was right all along just keep <laughs> just keep Michael happy keep him um, you know listen to his complaints so he'll just keep managing the branch at the very least instead of causing even more mayhem <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts on David Wallace before we move on? We have to talk about uh, we got to talk
0: about Ryan. We got to talk about Jan. No, David. I mean, what a life he's led, though. You know, the comfy corporate life. The events the suck it, which is awful. But again, yeah. ends up on top. Hey. He sells the uh, the patent to the military. I love the scene when Michael <laughs> visits David and is backing out of the driveway yeah. and David's walking towards him and it feels like a zombie. <laughs> That's a great moment for this discussion because yeah. it's you see Michael's adoration of David fading in that moment of just yes. like, oh, that's not David Wallace. Like, where he sees David Wallace as this competent, powerful right. man that Michael aspires to be. Like, Michael always wants to be in corporate.
1: And that's and that gets me back to this point, too, that that corporate is not any person or even people. It's a, it's kind of a... It's an ideal. It's a, yes, exactly. And what it does, how it changes characters, and when they're not a part of corporate, how they change Mm-hmm um which brings us to uh i think we need to talk about jan levinson
2: Mm -hmm. i think one last little thought on david wallace is that corporate vps corporate figures can be very competent they aren't perfect we see a lot of failings and a lot of shortcomings in david wallace especially in that moment where he's making fluffernutters at his house (laughs) you know and his wife comes down the stairs and asks what he's gonna do
0: today right (laughs) his wife's so happy to see michael like yeah hey like are you here to do something with David and oh, get him put out on of the pants house? today. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's uh,
2: so I think David Wallace is a really good vehicle for that of showing both on one hand how a leader can be very competent and very understanding, and on the other hand, not perfect. Yeah, I mean,
0: he should never, never have bought back. Ryan <laughs> and Michael and Pam, like, what a terrible deal! They shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that. It's it's who amazing. would hire Ryan? Who, how? Whoever would <laughs> hire Ryan again for the company he defrauded? It's a perfect example of like even
1: late in the show, David is still like does not you know underestimate Michael. Yeah, there's <laughs> a
2: really good deleted scene. I want to say it's the beginning of season five when Ryan is brought in as the temporary receptionist. Mm-hmm. And David is on the phone with Michael yelling about how Ryan defrauded the company. He did all these things. I really wish wish they had kept that in. Yeah, we would have kind of seen it. Because it doesn't get explained why Ryan is just able to come back.
0: That's ridiculous. Outside
2: of Michael saying, give me Ryan Howard. Yeah, Give him to me. And then Ryan's like, I write all your lines, David. (laughs) Speaking of
1: perfect and imperfect characters, Jan Levinson. Um, When we meet Jan in season one, of course, she is... uh, uh, Michael's boss, direct supervisor, um, and a per- and a member of corporate. She works in New York. Um, you she know, dresses
0: for the job she wants. She
1: definitely dresses <laughs> for the jobs she wants, um, and uh, you know, she's she's very a, a very serious, hardened character. Um, does, yeah, think
0: about think about Pam's the way she's viewing Jan in season two when right during when she comes in and gives the talk with all the women. Yeah, and she, you know, she's looking for talent. Yeah. The way that Jan, or Pam is so intimidated by Jan, like mm-hmm. compare that to even going into like dinner party where by that time she's just like, Jan's right. crazy. I don't want right. to be here. Or um, in the whale in season nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that, But it's like early on, like early on, Jan has some power. Like when she yeah. walks yeah. in the office, you feel it. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Um,
1: and of course, I mean, uh, Melora Hardin uh, just plays the character so spectacularly and like and and the range of of personality that we see in Jan Levinson is just amazing. But I think, you know, talking about, you know, people, characters rising and falling, like being a part of corporate and then not, um, Jan, of course, uh, you know, as she gets... Oddly enough as she gets closer to Michael begins to kind of hmm. like, her sanity falls apart and I mean I I don't know what 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 came first the chicken or the egg
2: but <laughs> I'm just thinking of the voicemail that they play from Jan during the roast Michael Oh yeah Scott I think it's in a deleted scene Yeah everything you touch is everything scene. you touch turns to crap Oh my god <laughs> You wrote a phone
0: message on my diploma Well <laughs> I mean, just to to frame it in the corporate sense, like her whole relationship with Michael, which she identifies as like almost this way to like get back at corporate. Right. Or this secret thing that's dirty and she doesn't like they go to motels. And for her, that's like that's part of the thrill of it is they shouldn't be doing it because she's a corporate woman and she's like self-destructive. Yeah. You shouldn't be sleeping with your subordinates. Well, I mean, I just want to go back to the
1: client, which is a very important episode for Jan, obviously, and like her strategy and going for Christian, of and for Christian, yes, and for Megan, <laughs> the waitress, Megan. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, sure, awesome, awesome, wow. extra, extra awesome, awesome. wow. Uh, there's some trivia, um, but uh, you know her strategy going in, she's gonna follow kind of like the what you know whatever the she's the, following the handbook, she's, yeah, exactly, yeah. she's following the corporate handbook, she's gonna do it straight. And you know, just seeing Michael kind of go rogue and like <laughs> at the end of the night, rolling up his sleeves and unbuttoning his shirt, and you know, and there's just...
0: that one point where Jan starts to talk again, and Michael actually yeah gives a hand the sober, over yeah. and he's like, nope. Yeah. Don't, don't and corporate. Then, the, don't don't get too corporate. Exactly. Nonsense. Well, then she
1: realizes that the power that he has outside of uh, you know, uh, kind of going against corporate and maybe realizing that oh yeah maybe there is something more human about yeah. this business makes
0: Jan want to let her hair down. You that's, know? True. And that's true. That's true. That's the
1: beginning. <laughs> that's the
2: beginning. Of, I think uh, to Jan. me, <laughs> Jan represents the part of corporate that is concerned with downsizing. I think that is – if we're talking about as a corporate entity and as a figure of corporate, Jan represents this pressure on the branch to perform and this sort of sense of doom and gloom that kind of informs and underscores the ennui and the kind of sense of hopelessness in The Office in seasons one, two, and a little bit into three. That there is uh, this this sense of impending doom that The, that the Office is going to close and they're all going to lose right. their jobs. Yeah. Um, obviously that changes quite a bit as Jan's character, like to your point, gets more entwined with Michael. Um, as corporate seems to lighten up a little bit, um, once the Stanford branch closes and they, and the two branches merge, um, that changes that dynamic quite a bit. But I think that's something that we have in the first, you know, two and a half seasons that we don't have in the rest of the show is this threat of downsizing, this threat of everyone losing their jobs. Right.
1: The threat of downsizing, I think is, is an important part in this, in the early part of the show. And like, I just keep, I just go back to what is the heart of the office? What is it? What is the show really about? And I feel like it's always been about like not people who don't want to be a cog in the machine who Mm want to be special and unique. And it's like, what, what better dichotomy, um, than Jan and Michael, you know, Mm -hmm. Jan is so serious. She doesn't smile. She doesn't joke. You know, we don't see her, um, express herself, um, is the real Jan uh, mm-hmm. in any way in those early seasons. And then, I mean, Michael kind of shows her the light in that, in the client. And she can't um, move on after that.
0: So, I, I mean, I think that she's... She collapses in on herself like a dying star. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been to Scranton, Jan? Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I think the image of Jan as a collapsed dying star yeah. is her in the full blue suede suit as she walks around the car <laughs> yes. and, yeah. and the yeah. look she gives the camera. That's Like, you drive, it. I had too much wine. That's the lowest. <laughs> yeah. That's the moment for her. I think the
2: perfect little encapsulation of corporate not understanding the needs of the normal day-to-day worker is that all of the times when Jan walks up to reception, and Pam says, "Hey Jen, how are you?" Do-? She says, uh, "Hey Jen," and Jen says, "I'm great." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, they're
0: not even actually hearing what the yeah, person says. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: I, I mean, that's why corporate's here, right? Is like you sort of need a a bit of a brick wall to sort of constantly be bouncing Michael Scott off right. of. And that's that's exactly what it is. And that's why like someone like Toby is even in the office is to be a microcosm of corporate. Definitely. And Jan comes in, everyone while, like. He deals with Toby every day, who's like the level one boss of corporate, mm-hmm. and then Jan comes in like the level two boss. <laughs> yeah. Then David Wallace is like the level yeah, three the boss, and then eventually Charles Minor level Charles four. Minor is way up there, and then Charles Minor. But we should probably talk about shareholder meeting real quick because that's probably the final boss, Definitely. right? That's where we see the auditorium of the entire panel of the corporate heads of Dunder Mifflin gathered in one room on one place on a stage, which we don't ever see again. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um. Yeah. Shareholder meeting.
1: The eleventh episode of season six. Uh, directed by Charles McDougall. Written by Justin Spitzer. Um. I mean. That's. Yeah. That is there better any better episode that that focuses on corporate so much? I mean, we meet people here. Mm-hmm. Um. Like the CEO Alan Brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who. Um, Senator. Yeah. We. I mean, <laughs> who we never see again, and I don't know. There's just some that you
0: know. See. Yeah. yeah. I. I think the best thing that. In that moment, obviously, everyone's taken with the limo and this fancy thing, and they go to New York and
1: a limousine.
0: Everyone and they're like middle and they're like middle school boys in the limo, like you know. And they the driver rolls the window up, just like, oh my god, this is bigger than my bed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But when Mike, so limo seats eight. You know, obviously, obviously, (laughs) Michael gets like the directed of drugs he's always looking for, which is a room full of people applauding for him. Yeah. Which leads to the drop at the beginning of this at the show. But to me, <laughs> limo like, lady, <laughs> this this sort of front lines of corporate versus you know having to answer for their shareholders, of which Oscar is one. Like that bit of Michael listening to Oscar being like, "You have a really good day." Bringing Oscar up to meet them to me says everything about, you need to know about Michael and everything you need to know about corporate in that moment, and everything you need to know about Oscar honestly uh, too. Yeah, because of how he's just talking mad. Sh- about Dunder yeah. Mifflin, that whole episode, and then just crumples in the moment and is like, it's incapable. I, as does Mr. Scott, feel that the c- company is in capable hands. <laughs> and it's like, and Michael's like, no, like you're smart. Like you should be in yeah. corporate, Oscar. Yeah. Like you're a really smart guy. And uh, cor- he doesn't want to say it, and corporate doesn't want to hear about it. It
1: goes back to Michael understanding something that they don't that that business is, is uh, that you Stanleys know, don't be on grow on trees. Stan- show me that farm. <laughs> Um it's true. I mean and and now I'm going to jump um to another episode uh which is did you have oh, Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll share it. Yeah. I mean you
2: guys hit a number of the major points. I think the one thing is that that Oscar moment I think is so interesting and it's one that I think we will inevitably need to unpack in more detail when we do an Oscar episode. And we will. It is such a perfect office moment in that it's it's um I hesitate to call it disappointing, but it's it's so it's tragic. It falls so flat, yeah, of what yeah. you expect and what you hope, um, especially from Oscar dummies, morons, and idiots, which is what you'd have to be if you were a stockholder, yeah. of which I am one, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think DMI, that, they're stock yeah, yeah. I think, um, yes, this is a perfect encapsulation of Michael in corporate and and Oscar, I suppose. Um, but yeah, we can move on. Sean was the next episode you wanted to go to. Um,
1: I want to talk about Dunder Mifflin Infinity, uh, which is. Uh, great another, website uh, <laughs> great website it's really uh, fun
0: buying paper it makes a little sound
1: um but uh now this is kind of you know talking about ryan as a corporate figure um you know this is season uh season four mm-hmm. um he's now uh at corporate um he's trying to get everyone on the blackberry uh <laughs> another like sign of the times mm-hmm. um but uh launching his website done there infinity and Michael's crusade for this episode is is bringing people to the gift baskets um oh yeah and and you know ultimately, Michael is not successful in this episode um but it shows us again that he's very committed to um a philosophy about business, which is that it should be person to person and um you know even though the people's person paper people that's that's <laughs> him and then and even though he's not successful in this episode i mean ryan is ultimately not successful in his uh, strategy of uh, of uh, having this website and um you know forgetting about the sales people who are really making the good sales um those types of things yeah
2: i think in general this episode is an encapsulation of ryan Uh, as a corporate figure, really trying to push something down onto the entire company with the website. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in hindsight, sitting where we are now, it's, it's funny to think that people would be resistant to a website or some sort of digitalization of, of a business model. Um, but at the time you can kind of see the, the tension or the stressors that are imposed on the salesman yeah. when they try to think about going a little bit more modern, a little more technological. Um, and this of course plays out through the whole season. The website is a through line and a lens it ends in Ryan's arrest. Um, but yeah, it is interesting to see Ryan as the corporate figure trying to mm-hmm. impose a bunch of different things on, uh, Dunder Mifflin Scranton.
1: Um, I think it's, I mean, just talking about Ryan as a corporate figure, I think it's also interesting how we see his rise and fall. You know, he starts as this character who I think we all, you know, he certainly believes that he's better than being there. I think we agree with him in those early seasons Mm -hmm. and then seeing him very quickly rise to the top um quickly grow a beard quickly grow a beard um little old man boy as Kevin ha- calls him and how much damage it does to him i mean he 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 doesn't um he doesn't act vulnerable but in night out when uh Dwight and Michael visit him in new york and he's actually like genuinely happy to see them yeah at the club <laughs> that's such a great moment and they're like It's Michael and Dwight.
0: (laughs) I know it's it's you guys. I mean,
1: he would have been happy to see anyone. I think so. Yes, definitely. But but yeah, I mean, it's that thing when they're all in his bed (laughs) later in his apartment and he's, you know, kind of confessing that he has a, you know, he's kind of got a problem. He's, you know, maybe got a drug problem. A friend of his. A a friend of his has a drug problem. But I think, you know, I think. More than the drug problem, I think that we, you know, we kind of know what he's talking about. He's he's not handling this well. We learn later how important Ryan's mother is to him, um, but like he's kind of out there in New York, doing what he thinks he's supposed to, and it destroys him.
0: Ryan, I'm going to take your clothes off. No, <laughs> <laughs> and then Dwight starts singing that lullaby. Yeah, that's right. It's you know now. That you, it, it's funny now that you mention it. Almost in in every season, like in two and three, it's Jan, then you get Ryan, Mm -hmm. and then you get Charles Minor, Mm -hmm. and then season six is, I mean, you get the co managers and everything. But every season, there's someone in that corporate role who kind of rises and falls. Definitely. that happens again and again throughout the show. Yeah. And like, it happens to Ryan, it definitely happens to Charles, too. Mm -hmm. You know, when Michael essentially makes it like, you're gone, it's me now, I'm back every season something comes down from the top, they push back. And like, that's the victory of the office. Every season mm-hmm. is like, they fend it off <laughs> <That's true. laughs> for another year. Right. <laughs> so they are villainous in that way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just to take it from sort of Ryan to Charles. I mean, Charles is like, not that interesting to talk about really. Cause he's not, at least I don't think so. Cause he's kind of a fairly flat character. Cause he's mm-hmm. so realistic. Yeah. He's just like yeah, down to business and that's it. And he's just there for Michael to like, and to make Jim feel awkward. Yeah. You know, for a lot of it. I mean, plot wise, he's very important, but I, I think that that's as far as different iterations of corporate coming down to tell people what to do, you know, Charles definitely has the, the heaviest fist. Charles comes in with the least uh, amount of
2: personal connection to Michael. Yeah. Uh, Jan and Michael's relationship clearly evolves over the course of their time in the show. And then Ryan and Michael's is already baked from Ryan's time as Temp, right? You see that when Ryan first comes back and Michael is not giving him a lot of respect, and Ryan has to kind of raise his voice. Um, This is inappropriate, and it stops now. Charles comes in immediately with that sort of presence and that sort of mindset. Uh, Clearly, he's been coached by David Wallace about the kind of manager that Michael is and what kind Mm of... management you need to have for a person like Michael. Um, and so he is very much unmoving. He's very strict. Um, and he's not going to allow a lot of the nonsense yeah. that Michael is so accustomed to.
0: Gabe. Gabe is the person from six throughout. <laughs> Thank you. Corporate yes. liaison. And, 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 yeah. and six, seven, eight, yeah. nine is Gabe. Yeah. Technically, that goes Which beyond this. tells you all s- you need to know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, I guess, is outside of the scope of this episode, Dunder Mifflin's grand. But He's only that, there Tuesdays but, and Thursdays. But certainly yeah. corporate. Because still I always a thing. think
2: of a line from Michael where he says, you know, he's talking to Charles and he finds out that he came from Satoy Steel, and right. uh, not from paper. Right. And he said, David just wanted a good manager, is what mm-hmm. Charles says. And Michael says, you know what happens if you put paper in a furnace, you burn it. And I think you ruin that's. Ruin it. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> metaphor <laughs> for what. <laughs>
0: he says, you ruin, you ruin it. <laughs>
2: I and mean, it's a metaphor for putting Michael in the wrong sort of situation, you know, where like if you put Michael under nice the take. wrong sort of management take, he really, on one hand he'll, he'll chafe and he'll struggle and he'll make a lot of noise and get really upset, yeah. but he won't succeed. He won't be successful. Yeah. There's something spectacular. A good, I
1: like that. I am such a big fan of the, I mean, the whole Michael Scott paper company arc and Charles Minor. It's like, I mean, to me, it's like breaking down bad level of like writing yourself into a corner, right? Like so far up until this point, like we've kind of watched Michael steamroll corporate characters and in a way that they like, we kind of know, Like now we kind of know the weaknesses, right? We know Jan's weaknesses. We know that David doesn't like is so like he's so he's always got the visors on and just yeah, he just doesn't really understand. And I think it's it's like season five. Finally, they introduce a character that's like.
0: This guy, oh, like, yeah. Michael's got not getting past this guy. What is going to happen? It's a stand-in for like, if David was actually in the office day-to-day yeah. working out of the conference room, yeah. he would see a Michael that he's like, oh my God, what a monster.
1: Yeah, someone who's just not charmed by Michael, yeah. not interested in his philosophy of business, mm-hmm. just wants to do things his own way. Loves Dwight. It, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh no, the new yeah. boss doesn't find
0: Jim adorable. <laughs> that's this. The power of the office, you know, it's, it's, it's raising a fist against the man, man. We, we
2: moved from Ryan to our, to, in our conversation to Charles yeah, But sure. One thing that I wanted to point out, um, under the time of Ryan as the corporate figure is the local ad episode Yeah, where mm-hmm. Ryan literally sends creative consultants to help them produce an ad and Michael calls <laughs> a terrible him. Terrible ad. Yeah. And he says, uh, you know, I'm creative, Ryan. He says, Michael, they're, they're creative. You're not. And Michael has this sort of, uh, he creates the whole ad as a sort of response, um, to this idea that he can't be creative and his, his ad is so much better, right? It's so right. much more interesting and compelling and hilarious in mm-hmm. unintended ways. Um, but that to me is another perfect expression of Michael, um, kind of rising up against the corporate figure, I guess. Bow, mm-hmm. bow, bow. Yeah. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> That's what they came up with? No, that's yeah. what we came up with. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Any last thoughts? Final, final thoughts on, on the on corporation? I've
2: at got one. Pre Saber? I've got one. And I, think a lot, I was thinking about this topic quite a bit. And uh, I was reminded of I went to a Simpsons writers panel, uh, going back to the Simpsons, mm-hmm. at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival a few years ago, which I think doesn't exist anymore here in Portland. It does not. Um, R.I.P. But there was a question posted to the Simpsons writers about whether or not they thought that if the show ever went to a platform like Netflix or Hulu and the writers had more freedom to write, you know, curse words or more mature themes or things that they couldn't necessarily do on network television, would that be more appealing to them?
1: Probably not. And one right? of the
2: writers, I want to say it was Dana Gould, said that comedy thrives in a box. Yeah. That you have to have these sort of sets of rules. And I when I was thinking about that as applied to The Office, in many ways corporate is the box, right? Mm-hmm. They're oh, yeah, they're yeah. a paper company in Scranton, Pennsylvania and On one hand, it seems like the roof is almost closing in, right? There's this threat of downsizing. And I think when you think about the way that the show evolves, um, when Saber comes in, you get a different box. Mm. Right. And then eventually when Saber goes away, um, it's almost like they take
0: the lid off the box and mm-hmm. they can kind of do whatever they and want. And that's because they are all these nine. competing paper companies. <laughs> uh... Yeah, exactly. And so, now they're just like, yeah. we have the cast who can just do this show. We don't really right. even need corporate as much. They and take, that's when the show and and that's in that's season when
2: we... eight when they expand whatever the cast can mm-hmm. do. They go to Florida like it, it changes. The structure changes.
1: and the, And that's the point of the show when we can all agree is not as good as the rest of the show. Yeah, so it, it, I think it's exactly proves your
0: point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, compare it to like season one; almost every episode directly has to do with something corporate mm-hmm. is saying the office has to do, be it like a diversity seminar, uh, downsizing, you know, all of these sorts of things. Uh, the, picking a health care plan—it's all stuff that is—it's so directly from corporate. And yeah, as the show moves on, it gradually goes away from that. But I think that's a really that's a really good call out of like. It does need some borders for it to be funny. Well, even literally, if you think about the first couple seasons, so much of the show it
2: it takes place in this literal office space, Mm -hmm. right? That's where you find things that are really relatable to other people, the sort of mundane nature of what it's like to have an office job, right? Um, And obviously, the show expands and things happen, and and that's all great. Or a lot of, in a lot of ways, it is great. Like think about when Michael goes to New York. That's amazing, right? (laughs) For the very first time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But. Uh in to some extent the fact that the office begins in such a constrained manner really allows it to be connecting to people. That's mm-hmm. that's what kind of allows that connection, that relatability. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: Um and I any am- <laughs> I just hadn't been a drop in a I while. I know there haven't been that many drops this <laughs> no. episode. I'm glad you got.
2: I'm glad that you included one, um, guys. I feel like I could keep talking. <laughs> I meant about... to do Ryan's
0: cool retreat, but that one was right next to it. Yeah. So that's just as good. No, we're all good. Yeah, I feel like I could keep
1: talking about corporate and uh, versus the Scranton Branch versus Michael. But uh... show me that form <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is really good. This is really good. My heart soars. With the eagle's
1: nest. <laughs> just, just... Wish I could have been with Ryan on that cool retreat! <laughs> do we want to move on to a, a conference room?
2: Uh, yeah, let's do that, huh?
0: That means conference room, five minutes. No, no, five seconds!
2: All right, so this comes from Angie uh, from Instagram. Um, she says, hi guys, long time listener, first time DM her. A random nugget I found is a Scranton throw, but I... Throw blanket, which appears mm. in two episodes. Both times, it's <laughs> draped over the back of a couch. Mm. The first time is in Women's Appreciation in season three, when the guys are hanging out in the women's restroom. And the second mm. time in season oh. nine, episode seventeen, "The Farm," when wow. Dwight and his sister are sitting on the couch at Shrewd Farms. That's a long distance. I like that to think late episodes. I like to think that almost everyone in Scranton has one, which they bought at the local farmers market. Love the podcast. Yeah. Um, I listen to them on my way commute to work. Keep up the good work. Aww. So, Angie, thank you so much for sending that in. Yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. And I want to show you guys love this, stuff like these that. screenshots so here's the screenshot okay here's the screenshot from season three so as you can see we have kevin and jim uh, yes on the couch in the bathroom see it jim napping jim in a sleep. restroom yeah and then here's the screenshot from season nine.
0: Oh yeah there oh it is. that is an awesome blanket I yeah. want it. Wow. do you
2: guys think they look similar mm-hmm but do you think they're exactly the same? They look so close. I think it's the same one. Um, I think it's the same prop. They could be different pieces of the blanket too. You know? It, it, looks go like to the other it one? almost
1: looks like they turned it around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like that one's the backside of it. Mhm. Um, cuz that's yeah. lighter than the other one. The tops are the yeah, design
0: the on the top it, is different. Yeah. But they're but, probably very yeah, similar. No, that my gu-
2: those are two different blankets. My guess is they probably you think they're two different blankets?
1: Yeah. They do look like two different look, blankets. Look,
0: that doesn't have the border and the top is right. a different color. Well, the other one's all
2: dark. Yeah. And, and the that other one's smaller. Is all dark and has a and has a curved the border is smaller. Yeah. But you don't think they could be different like pieces of the blanket? It could blanket? be, it could it be. It could be like, two like, different. Like I'm thinking sides, if it's yeah. if they have like because I noticed that too, but if they have a prop department, right and they have mm. a bunch of props they've accumulated it's yeah. probably one blanket that this they've is got this grand but yeah yeah well, all right well it's, it's, you tell me you tell me about it is it yeah. more you think it's more likely these are two different blankets or that that they are the same I one i mean you
1: we you reuse stuff i mean mm. definitely um it kind of looks like it's two different blankets but um who knows but definitely you reuse stuff all the time i i mean i guess this it would be a faux pas to reuse something like that, just because it's so, just because it's unique and you have it sitting right behind main characters, but um, they look kind of different. They sure do. Um,
0: but uh, I love it. That Dude, what a great catch! What the, a great catch! Yeah. You know what? All all I'm taking from this is I really want one of those blankets. Yeah, me too. That like would when, be when sick. you look at, I get what you're saying about the curve top, but like look at that
2: design on the green, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's here.
0: Mm-hmm. Like it's very. S- it reminds me of like, there's a lot of uh, Pendleton wool blankets out here in Oregon, mm-hmm. and those are all have a similar feel, but they'll mm-hmm. look different, but they're in the same so, family. And this yeah. feels like the same manufacturer, but different design. Mm-hmm.
2: Anyway, yeah. they could be bought from two different local farmer's
0: markets, yeah, or definitely. two
2: different blankets bought at the well, farm. If you're, if you're I out there, the aesthetic is so similar.
1: I could yeah. see the set deck department buying, you know, hey, look at all these Granton blankets. Like, you know, they have three different designs. Oh, buy them. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll just put that in the... Uh, in the lockup, as but we say,
2: what a great eye to catch something that recurs from season two to season nine. That's pretty amazing. And a great. I was catch. very impressed. What yeah. was her name?
1: Angie. Angie, awesome catch.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you have any, if you own a Scranton blanket or anything like that, take a picture of it, send it in, mm-hmm. and then send us the blanket so we can have it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, all right, last little thing here for the conference room. Just a me- I got an email a week ago. It just says a message of thanks. Uh, from Aiden. I don't know where Aiden is from, but he says this. You guys are legit the best part of my week and the thing I look forward to the most. Thanks for doing this, Aiden. P.S. Sorry something this short is an email, but I don't have a phone or any way that makes more sense than email. My parents are Amish. Thanks again. The show oh my is gosh. A, <laughs> the show really yeah. is a huge part of my life. That, that's amazing.
1: That's amazing. Thank you so much. Aiden, thank you yeah. very much. Um... No, truly, truly appreciate it. Yeah, that's so Do you know Moe's? Yeah, do you know Moe's? Have you seen uh what what's the Amish reality show that like the Amish writers, in the City. Amish in the mm-hmm. City. Yeah. Um I want to watch that. I watched we it I watched, watched
2: it when it was on TV. You did? I couldn't believe it when I found out that was what the inspiration was. Yeah. You think Aiden's rolling his eyes
0: being like, "Oh my god, Amish." Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't know, sorry Aiden. That's we don't know much No, thank about you for your input. <laughs> it really means so much. Yeah. That is really sweet. Yeah. And that's, that's just like great. just makes that's us want to keep to going. going. I, you know? I, and
0: yeah. I wonder, and maybe you can write us back because I know that one of the like the, one of the main epicenters of the Amish community is in Pennsylvania. It's a area, Lancaster, mm. I think, yeah. is the area. I would be very curious to know how accurate the portrayal of Amish, yeah, or
2: is is on the. I mean, is it well, it's mean, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Dutch, yeah, it's yeah, technically yeah, yeah. not yeah. Amish, yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, but uh, similar themes, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I would love to know, like, do in Pennsylvania, like, given its proximity to Scranton like Lancaster and everything is is like the office is it is that a piece of pop culture that a lot of people know about anyway I'd be, be yeah. curious about like mm-hmm. within a rural do you, Pennsylvania. do you hide watching the show
1: from your parents we would we'd love to know yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah thank I guess you it could that be that an message, adult yeah <laughs> <Okay. older>
0: parents. <laughs> yeah true <laughs> but yeah no thank you Aiden that's no, like it's so sweet to hear that stuff definitely um, we really we you know every we get some comments we get some stuff that like is is not as nice to us and that's all we focus on uh and so it's really nice hearing those these these words of encouragement and and all of you guys are so good about that so uh we really do appreciate it. we're we're glad that you enjoy this and you look forward to it and we'll keep it coming for you definitely yeah time for some trivia (laughs) (laughs) let's just do our thing collect our hardware and get the hell home
1: Today we uh, we're each doing a little bit of trivia roundtable. I Round have, I yes. have uh, I'll start. I have the least amount of questions. I could only do. So you,
2: do you want to do one yeah one at a time yeah, one at a time? Of sure. the time. Yeah. Okay, Popcorn fine. Popcorn style. that's yeah. cool
1: Sounds good. I focus on corporate Ryan. What is Ryan's title when he gets promoted to corporate in season four?
0: It's VP corporate v- VP of VP of like of in a, it's not and it's like VP of emerging yeah, emer- technology yeah. or something? Vice
1: President of Regional Sales, which is Jan's job. Oh,
0: right, okay. it's Jan's job. Not sure. Duh, I feel Well, terrible. Yeah, and yeah, I knew it was Jan's job. I <laughs> right, I got it. Vice that President That's of- okay, yeah. Uh, okay. okay, is it me next? Yeah, go ahead. Uh,
2: in the episode Valentine's Day, where Michael goes to New York to mm-hmm. meet David Wallace for the first time, mm-hmm. what is the name of the movie that Michael shows when he first presents to David Wallace? Um... Name of the movie? Yeah, they show it. It shows on screen before it plays. I don't know. Oh, wait. Oh, the name of the movie that he made. That he made, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, I don't don't know. know. I don't know. Oh, it's called The Faces of Scranton. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. One thing that I
2: thought was super interesting rewatching that was they they talk about Stanley and how uh, he's an African-American father of two. We never hear about the other child.
0: We only hear about Melissa. That's That's very true. Yeah. All right, Alex. Uh, what score did Andy get on his SATs? <laughs> oh. Uh, remember, he talks his entire class into skipping them in high school, like and then he chickened f- out and did yeah. it anyway. Then, I don't know, like 1,340 or something no, like that.
2: 1,200. <laughs> 1,200,
0: okay. Is that bad? I
1: honestly don't even I don't remember. I don't remember. It's not, it's not <laughs> great. It would have been on 1,600. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it
2: was when Andy would have taken it. Yeah. So that's
1: a
0: 75%. Yeah. It's a C. Back to you. Straight bees—they called oh, me back. You boy, <laughs> Ryan he was buzzed. Battlestar Galactica.
1: Ryan tells Kevin and Andy about a celebrity encounter he had in NYC. Who was it? What time of day slash night was it? And what was Ryan doing at the time? So Ryan was getting a sandwich at the bodega. Yeah, you Vince, can get a
2: sandwich any time at night. It was Vince, and it was Vince Vaughn.
1: Vince Vaughn. Time of night. Midnight. 2 a.m. Like, 2 a.m., yeah. Because you can get a time, yeah.
2: <laughs> Bragging about getting a that
1: sandwich is at so 2 a.m. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're so money, you don't even know how money you are. <laughs> tuna, tuna, tuna. <laughs> uh, the what? way Ryan
2: does it, like, catch you later, guys.
0: And, like, <laughs> yeah. leaves the. It's oh, so smarmy.
1: Smarmy.
2: So, in double date, what is the name of the restaurant Michael, Helene, Jim, and Pam go to?
0: This is a question uh, I'd ask you. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is it Coopers? No, don't know. It's Paparazzos. Oh. And here's the Top thing: it ended so. up being a lot
2: harder than I thought it was going to be. That's I, what she said. I, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of the uh, the line where Pam says, "This restaurant's you know a big part of my childhood. Good chicken parm. Maybe Michael starts sleeping with that too." And I thought that she said the name of the restaurant, but uh-huh. they only show it on a sign. Yeah, that's uh, hard. Okay. that's yeah, yeah, that's hard.
0: Okay. Alrighty. Um, at the pool party in season eight, Jim tells Andy that he's leaving early because there's a wife and two kids at home party that he needs to get back to. Mm-hmm. At that home party, what DJ is playing what kind of music? DJ Pam Halpert is playing Radio Disney. Yeah, baby. Uh-huh. Yeah. Spinning Radio
1: Disney. All night long. Nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ryan made out with a girl who looks exactly <laughs> like a person from Survivor. Uh-huh. Who Liz- was it? Elizabeth.
0: <laughs> Colleen? Rebecca Stephanie I'll give you eight Jessica, more
2: Jessica Shannon I don't know uh, Joanna jo- from Joanna. season six okay cool um, what is the cool te- Ryan <laughs> <laughs> what is the text on Dunder Mi- on the original Dunder Mifflin website when Jim under says under construction coming yes. <laughs> Christmas
1: 2003 Two thousand
2: two. 2002. Ah. Ah,
0: nicely done guys um, bu- 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 what clothing store did Andy used to work at Oh. oh, Banana Republic, J. Crew, no, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. Yes, he was an excellent folder. Excellent. Yes, because yeah. he's like when he's trying to out Dwight, and right. he's like, yeah. "Yeah, you
2: want it done right? You come
0: to me." Yeah. Uh,
1: what word does Dwight say in the New York Club that Ryan thinks is a crazy word?
2: Uh, that's a great. That's a great trivia yeah. question. Yeah. That whole word. It's crazy. <laughs>
1: it's right before he has to go it's, to the it's, bathroom. <sighs> it's You've it, already it's like a several natural. It's,
0: it's, it's a. No, I can't. Is it, I can't Dwight is
1: relaying it. some story uh, of of the farm or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly. About but, horses or something. Ah, man, I don't know. What is it? Weevils. Weevils. <laughs> it's, it's weevil season. <laughs> ah. Weevils, man. That's a crazy word. <laughs> You yeah. resemble a Tolkien character. They get in the mattresses. <laughs> yeah, I man. Right? He's a wizard of finance. Yeah. They get the mattress weevils. Yeah.
2: Um, okay, so in Work Bus, Jim talks about driving Pam and the kids up to the lake, giving them the whole week. Um, and they talk about stopping at Laverne's Pies, tires fixed also. Uh, and Jim says, uh, Yes, we'll be, we will be getting a dozen. Pam says, A dozen different pies? Because that means rhubarb. And Jim says, Why would you say that? I meant, and what is the breakdown of the dozen pies? <laughs> Mm. Oh wow! <laughs> <Shh. laughs> Marionberry? There's no Marionberry. <laughs> Dang it! Apple? Maybe you just give me the types is there a of blueberry buys. There's an apple. There's a blueberry. Pumpkin? Is there, is there a banana cream? Nope. But those are both mentioned in Key the episode. Lime?
0: Nope. Mer- lemon meringue. <laughs> um, Boysenberry? Nope. Lingonberry? Nope. No more. Be- uh, there's well. Blackberry? Nope. You
2: got to get off the berries. <laughs> Plum. <laughs> no. Orange? Orange? Orange. All right. I'll just give it to you. Uh, A dozen different pies because that means rhubarb. Why would you say that? I meant four apple, four blueberry, two cherry, one peach, and one chocolate. I thought that was implied.
0: (laughs) How did we not guess cherry and chocolate? We're so stupid, man. We're so (laughs) dumb. I've never... Yeah. (laughs) A couple dummies, morons, and idiots. That's another name for this podcast. Hey, don't Um, say that. uh, All right. Ian... Traveling salesman. Dwight mm-hmm. tells Michael that the reason he missed the sales meeting was because he overslept. Why did he oversleep? Oh, damn rooster didn't crow. <laughs> <laughs> correct.
2: Um, that's
1: it for me. Oh, okay. Who was, uh, you, someone. I've got an extra. two I more. Got, okay. got two more. Okay. All
2: right. Uh, in koi pond, what is the name of the business that has a koi pond?
0: Hmm. Oh, f- I knew this. <laughs> I wanted to say Santa Koi Steel. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Raskin Design. Raskin Design. Yeah, you're man. These aren't these are questions for you, not us. Um, <laughs> in season three, what kind of boat does Andy say the Bernard family has? Ah, they're talking about Michael compliments the fisherman. He's like, "Did you catch that fish in Lake pack And right. Andy says, "Oh, we caught a you know eighty pound marlin from the crow's oh, nest, <laughs> mainliner yeah. or something like that." They're so
2: close. Ah, uh,
0: yeah, it's a forty two foot bayliner. Bayliner, okay. Uh this is my last one.
2: In night in night out when they go to visit Ryan, what is the name of the club that they go to first? They said Ryan's assistant said he'd be at this club. It's uh, called blank. Like Verve? <laughs> no, but just <laughs> the right, you're
0: right in the zone. Yeah. Vibe? No. Prerog- Prerogative. Prerogative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it had to be. <laughs> All right. Uh this is from Dream Team. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank here. Pam I can't do this. I had a real job. I sat 10 feet away from my fiancé. I had health benefits. I was just feeling impulsive. I should have gotten blank. A small tattoo on my ankle. A tiny tattoo on my ankle. Yes. (laughs) Nice. We'll take it. Normally, that's correct for anyone else in the world, but for Edwin, that's wrong. (laughs) Yes. A tiny tattoo. (laughs) Incorrect. On my ankle. Um... You guys, thank you so
1: much. That was a ton of fun. Everybody Welcome, listening at home, please, uh,
0: please write to us. Please message us. If you have that blanket? Let us know. Also, Edwin post. Edwin took a screenshot from Workbus. Oh yeah, that there you go. It's one of the most beautiful. Just there's images a, from the office. There's a there's a subreddit called um,
1: Accidental Renaissance. Accidental yes. Renaissance.
0: That's going on there. It's uh, we're looking it's at it a, now. It's truly incredible. Very beautiful. And uh, I can't wait for it to go on there. So check that out. We'll post that on socials
1: too. Um, But please hit us up if there's any great corporate moments or insights that you have about corporate that we might have missed. Give us a call 503-694-9314. Leave us a message. we love to play him on the show. Keep it under a minute. We have an email address, company at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Michael Scott Podcast Company. We're Keep on Twitter. Keep it under 30 seconds. <laughs> We're on Twitter at Michael Scott Pod. And we have a website, michaelscottpod.com. Special thanks to Ryan Lloyd, who runs our social media and designs all our artwork. And uh, this re- uh, episode was recorded uh, at the ward- quarantine, the, the, <laughs> the quarantine, <laughs> the qu- <laughs> quarantine, quarantine. Uh, studios in uh, in Portland, Oregon.
2: Thanks so much for listening. We love and appreciate every single one of you. Uh, can't wait to be back next week. Deputy Poppy, give
1: me Yes, sir.
0: Dunder Mifflin, limitless paper in a paperless world. Oh.